Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label? Or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun. You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started, and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at anchorfishprinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if it's your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 124. And my guest this week is Matthew Berry of the band The Berries. They have a uh, new record called High Flying Man came out last year. It is absolutely fantastic. Came out on Run For Cover Records. Uh, He's also played in Big Bite. He's played in a band called Happy Diving and uh, just an all around incredibly swell person. This was a really fun interview. I want to let you know if you're new here, you should head on over to the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where there is a bonus episode where Matthew answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. That is a common occurrence here on the show. There's always these bonus episodes. Uh, It helps support the show and uh, you get a bunch of extra stuff. You get extra bonus radio hours. You get uh, access to a Discord channel, all sorts of fun stuff that we have going on over there. You know, something I never really think to throw out there uh, in the intros, but um, if you ever want to email me about the show, email me over at thefirstevermailbag at gmail.com. Whether it's suggestions, comments, thoughts, uh, people you want to hear on the show, I always like to hear that feedback. One of these days, I'll do a mailbag episode where I'll just uh, answer questions that you send me. And lastly, if you haven't subscribed to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this, please do so. Leaving a positive rating and review, that helps out so much. It uh, brightens my day, makes me feel good, keeps me motivated, all those kind, kind things. Um, And I want to throw out there, if you're in Los Angeles, the Berries are going to be playing tomorrow night at Gold Diggers on the 12th. So uh, you should come see the Berries because they are fucking awesome. And uh, here's that interview. So here's me talking to Matthew Berry. Enjoy. What's up, Matt? How are you? It's nice to see you. Likewise. Uh, you just mentioned you were cold. We, uh, for those listening, we just went through a little bit of troubleshooting with potentially turning off of it, or actually not potentially. We did turn off your heater. Um, are, you in Cali- are you in California? Or are you up north? Where Where are you? Uh, I'm in LA. Um, okay. It's just it's just rainy today, and my house is not of heat. It's I not that the- bad, honestly. Today, I was I, I kind of was maybe being a baby and thought it was going to be worse, but you know what? That bad. The entire country likes to shit on us when we're complaining about the cold, which mostly for the most part, I'll say I get it. You know, like we, we get the great, we get the great weather most of the year around, but here's the deal that people don't understand because we have quote unquote, great weather. 
our apartments, our homes are not made for the cold and it has gotten Mm -hmm. a lot colder here. So it's like, there's no insulation. So like everyone's apartment or whatever is just a refrigerator. Yeah. It's freezing. I mean, it's not actually cold. It's 60 degrees, but to me, you know, that is, (laughs) I'm from California and that is the coldest temperature you can experience pretty much (laughs) in a day, in a daytime setting. It feels. Yeah. 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 So are you from uh, Southern California? originally no i'm from the bay area um like east of oakland suburbs san ramon is what the city's called okay okay because yeah i know you had uh you play in big bite as well and that's like a a seattle band so i didn't know if that was like a maybe you were from there originally or what the story there was (laughs) no i um no yeah i grew up in the bay my first band was there is a band called happy diving Okay. And that yeah, was, yeah, that yeah. was a band I did based out of the Bay and then moved to Seattle when I was like 21, I think. Okay. Fair enough. That's when I was looking at the timeline of like the releases you've done and stuff like that, that was where my brain was going to go. But I didn't know if maybe you had like early on roots up there or something that brought you back or uh, you know how those yeah. things go. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, the first question I usually ask musicians is uh, when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours maybe not something that was being played in the house but something that maybe you discovered on your own um well my dad was kind of young so i felt like him and i like i grew up in let's see like early 2000s you know so like limp biscuit lincoln park stuff like that sure and we would like listen to like live 105 which is the radio station in the bay and they would play i remember like them playing like hoobastank and Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Park. And I remember, I guess Lincoln Park specifically was probably the first thing I really connected with. I love Lincoln Park. And my dad did too. Cause he was oh, like, awesome. I don't know. He was, he must've been like early thirties and I was like okay. nine or 10. So we were just listening to Lincoln Park all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's that, like, I feel like that is the definition of active rock. You know, like that early 2000s, yeah. like the Hoopa Stanks, because it's like <laughs> it's people love to throw the the new the uh, the new metal word around. But I don't I yeah. would never call Hoopa Stank a new metal band. You know oh, what I'm no, saying? no. They were like they were like a pop punk band kind of. Yeah. They're like, like they I, leaned more to like an incubus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. An incubus. Also. Awesome. Yeah. Another it's funny. Band. I, I still like know. incubus. Dude, they have some great. I actually I ride for uh, science the that that one record that's like that is really? kind of leaning new metal yeah it leans a little yeah, i don't new know metal if i that. know that one honestly i feel it's, like i know like the 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 standard like you know morning view and the other yeah, one the, the one that's that song dig that's the song that's my favorite incubus song once uh yeah you like the era of once uh brandon boyd cut his dreadlocks and all of a sudden was oh, incredibly yeah. handsome under there <laughs> Yeah, yeah it was a shock to all of us because he always had dreads that were like down to his waist and really? like kind of sh- kind of like shitty facial hair and then i could i can't even imagine the record label's like reaction when he cut all of that and was like holy shit this guy is hot yeah and like oh we're selling God. records now baby yeah, absolutely guys, we've got we've got the man yeah because the, the yeah their earlier stuff was definitely like leaning more new there was a little bit of rapping there was way more funk it was cool a lot more dj scratching but (laughs) there's some good there's some good songs on it i'm gonna be honest um i don't know if you know this but do you know that hoobastank used to be called hooboostank and they were no i did not know that and they were like (laughs) they had horns it was it was a whole thing was it like ska or 
just like I want to say it had elements of ska. Someone might uh, actually. Who am I kidding? No one's going to correct me about this. But um, it's. I want to say it was like more <laughs> funk with ska. But okay. uh, yeah, they, I like. There's some like Hoobastank like mega fan who's like um actually. <laughs> Um, they were not a ska band. Um, exactly. Uh, that's actually, you know, I warrant that. Bring it on. I, I want to be corrected by the uh, the diehard. Um, yeah. So then what, uh, if, did you start going to concerts with your dad when you were pretty young? Uh, I did. I, I went to a couple. We didn't go like that many, but we Hoobastank was my first concert. Hell yes. It was Hoobastank and um, Phantom Planet. That's remember a sick that? show. Yeah. yeah and uh, this band called dredge they were like the san francisco Yo. yeah yes was dredge actually from i always pegged them as I think an they're LA from band. the bay i thought they're from the bay maybe they're not though you know i actually could look it up i kind of want to say they're from southern california i don't know where specifically please let's you uh no they're from los gatos they're from the they're from south bay oh, like san jose okay okay because so, yeah. they used to play pretty regularly um as a part of like local shows like listeners from the podcast have heard me ramble about this but i used to go to a lot of like local new metal shows in the late 90s Whoa, early 2000s. Cool. so i saw i saw them with like they'd always play with like system of a down and stuff like that as Damn. like the local shows um that's crazy because like, I, I don't feel like i meet a lot of people who know them yo the drummer of that band was so sick to watch because he would do the it was kind of a bit for him but i, I don't know if he did it as a local band but i remember seeing them open for like they were on a tour that was uh coheed and cambria the blood brothers me without you and dredge Whoa. um yeah it was a fucking stacked bill and that was when i really noticed it but he had the drummer had a bit where he would basically break his drumstick on every snare hit so he was just con- like he would lift his arm completely in the air and bring it down and you would just see the sticks go flying and like no he was way just con- yeah it was like a sick bit but also like really wasteful <laughs> yeah it's not a, not very practical but if I Definitely. saw a band do that now, like just thinking of like a local band doing that, I'd be like, Jesus, dude, just, you know, <laughs> for sure. It's pretty cool, I guess. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's my, some of my favorite drummers who hit super hard. I feel like they could probably pull that lane, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, damn. Um, so was that like a, do you know if that was a tour or if that was like a radio show or something? Just because that's like an interesting pairing of bands. Um, I think it was a tour. It was like Hoobastank's, like, it was like that tour for that record. The Reason, okay. was that what the record was called? That sounds correct. Um, yeah, that, it was like their tour for that record. Do, and Do you remember what venue it was at? Yeah, it was at the Warfield in San Francisco. Oh, nice. That's so actually kind of, I feel like maybe room. I told the story once before, but it was kind of crazy. My dad, like, I ne- I was 10. I'd never been to a concert. Like I said, it was my first concert. But we, yeah. um, I like... I was at home one day. My dad was like, hey, I have to drive to the city because him and my stepmom were about to get married. And he was like, um, I need to go like get a ring for your stepmom, whatever. I need you to come with me to the city. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I want to like stay at home, play video games or whatever. And I was so annoyed. He like he was like, no, you have to come. You have to come. And I was like, okay, fine. But I, I was like pissed the whole time, like grumpy in the car. <laughs> and then we, we drive to San Francisco and we pull up in front of the Warfield. And we like get out park and I look up and at the sign, like, you know, like the theater sign they have outside that has the band names and stuff. And I was like, Oh look, who was takes playing? And my dad's like, I know I got tickets. And then we went in and I was like, ah, 
I'm just so stoked. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So was I mean that's a that's an adorably awesome story. Was there ever a, a ring involved with that trip at all, or was that no, just like no, a way no, to get you it? Yeah, he, he just it was some weird. I think that was what he said. That's like how I remember it. I could be wrong, but it was something okay. to do. I remember it had something to do with like a wedding thing. I was gonna say I like how extreme the lie is. Where it probably could have just been like, "Hey, you want to go get some lunch?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't remember why it was such like an over the top thing. But I guess otherwise, like, why would we be driving to San Francisco? But I was ten. Oh, like, I wasn't. Gonna, I wasn't gonna catch on, you know. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, do you remember the first album that you remember buying, maybe with your own money? Something that you were like, "Oh, I need this," like you allowance know, or something. I was thinking about that, and it's I really like okay the first one that comes to mind i know it's not the first one i bought but it was like one of the first ones i bought like maybe like the third one i bought was a uh, catalyst by newfound glory okay yeah that i think that was like the first one, like one of the first cities i bought with my own money okay. at tower records in dublin california nice uh, i'm yeah. assuming that that's been gone for a long time oh that, it's uh, been gone for a long time yeah yeah, yeah. uh did that take you down a path of like discovering other bands just because you know they kind of notoriously wore their influences on their sleeves like you know actually kind of you know uh legitimately where like chad would always be rocking like you know punk band shirts or or whatever else did that like introduce you to to other things um not really i think because i was young i was just like i wasn't like at a point yet where i was like getting into like what the bands i liked listen to Sure. I was more like what was on Fuse. Like when I was, sure. my grandma had Fuse and I would watch like the music videos on there. And like that's how I heard like Under Oath and like My Chemical Romance. Cause that was like what I was into when I was like, like fifth grade, like fourth, fifth grade when I started getting into music. And then, yeah, like throughout middle school is like all that stuff. And that was for just sure. like, I remember thinking it was so cool, like seeing like the music video for what's that one, My Chemical Romance song? I'm Not Okay. Oh yeah, like on Fuse, and I yeah, I bought that CD too. That was also an early one, maybe like okay. that might have been like fifth grade. Got it, got it. Oh, and some forty ones, Chuck. That was another one. <laughs> as long as you're rounding the bases on all of the important <laughs> records of that era, you know, it's like I'm yeah. we're, we're hitting, we're checking them all off. Um, yeah. What uh, when did you start getting interested in wanting to play an instrument? I think well, I started playing guitar. Um, it must have been around then. My uncle played, or he still plays, rather, but he, um, I think I saw him play and I thought it was cool. And my grandma, I like said something like, oh, I want to play guitar. And my grandma got me a, like a, like a Squire guitar, like a Strat, whatever. Mm-hmm. For, um, must have been, I must have been like eight or nine. Okay. And then I started playing and like taking lessons. I didn't Did take lessons for very you? long. No, he because we didn't live in the same city. Um, uh-huh. He lived in Modesto, which is like an hour and a half from where I lived. Yeah, but um, yeah, I started playing. I guess it would have been around then, and then kind of stopped for a while. But yeah, it must have been like ten or eleven. Okay. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember some of the first songs you ever learned how to play? Yeah, um, would have been also lots of Green Day. Sure. Green Day and Blink-182. I know at my fifth grade talent show, I played um, Aliens Exist by Blink-182. But I didn't Perfect. sing it because I didn't – at the, that time, for a long time, I just did not think I could sing or I did not okay. have an interest in singing or something. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that was – I remember that, Basket Case. 
Yeah. Um, I remember trying to learn Slipknot songs, but I don't think I was very good at it. I love that because that shows how when you're young, just music is just awesome. The fact that yeah, you're music. trying to, <laughs> the fact that you're trying to learn Green Day songs at the same time, you're probably also trying to learn the Slipknot songs in the same tuning as the Green Day songs, and that's why yeah, it's not yeah. working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was my experience to a T. It was just the same to me. That's the cool part about yeah, being a kid. And you're like, oh, Slipknot Green Day is just the same. Totally, totally. Not like distinguishing genres or something at that point. You're just like, this is this is just music that rocks. Yeah. So was the first show you said? So I'm guessing that first show you ever played was that talent show. Yeah. Yeah. It must okay. have been. And was that like a just like a band with you and your friends doing covers, or was that your first? No, it was band? just me. It was just me. Like so I you were just played. up there with your guitar playing the Green Day song, not singing it. Yeah, well, the Blake One Two song, but oh, yeah, Blake Two song. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just up there playing like the power chords, not singing it. It's so funny. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Why don't you sing it?" I'm like, "I'm not gonna." I was not ready for that yet. Sure. I was very nervous and shy at that point. I think. Yeah, well, maybe not think- shy, but about music, I was. Did uh? Did you win? No, no, <laughs> no. I did not. How do you think you did? Um, I think I played it good. I think I, I think I played well. I mean, hell yeah. Um, I, but I, yeah, I probably, I probably did okay. Okay, yeah, I trust you. You see, you seem yeah. confident in this answer. I like it. For yeah, you, yeah, for, yeah. For listeners yeah. at home, yeah, yeah. He, he, I, he's, I, he's got some, some, uh, some honesty coming out of his face right now. Uh, I put in my best effort for sure. Exactly. I'll say that. Exactly. Uh, did that give you a bug though to be like, oh, now I, I want to like take this one step further and maybe start a band or or uh did that influence you in any way um yeah you know it's weird i didn't start a band until like or like play music with other people really until um until i was like i want to say 19 oh i was i was really into like i was recording a lot of music my I remember I think it was it must have been around like sixth grade, seventh grade. My grandma got me um I don't know if you remember this recording software, it's called Acid, like Sony Acid. Totally. I never used and, it, but I remember it when that was a popular thing, a lot of people would talk about trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I was I, my grandma got me that for like Christmas or something for like um in the end I like got I was like recording I wasn't making like anything actually. It was like some of the most insanely bad music you could possibly hear. It was just a child. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I had like this, like kind of like um, really crappy, like electronic drum set that I would like play on and then just like record guitar over it. But like I would never sing with it, but I would like post it on MySpace and stuff. But that was like, I was only doing like recording for like a long time, but like not actually, I say recording, like I was, I had no idea what I was doing, but But it was like, you know, that's like, I'm sure that that um, curiosity and what you figured out on your own helped shape what you would end up doing over time, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Especially with, like, self-recording and stuff like that. Like, the fact that you took an interest in it and wanted to figure it out, I think, speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it did. It was, it was very, like, that was kind of how I got into music was, like, making it at home. And then, you know, that just kind of translated into how I do it now, I guess, still. But, yeah, I never really – I was very, like, alone with – my music stuff. I didn't really play with other people for a long time. And then you mentioned that your first band was happy diving. (laughs) Yeah. I had a band before that. Um, that was very, very short lived. That was kind of like, 
kind of sounded I don't I wanted it to sound like Dinosaur Jr., but it sounded more kind of like Jawbreaker or something. Okay. Like Joyce Manor, maybe like something like that, like very like kind of pop punky, but like a little bit more I don't know, guitar driven or something like that. Credible. Yeah, maybe like slightly more credible, but definitely yeah. very like pop punk kind of vibe. Yeah. And that was only that was only a band for like maybe six or seven months or something like that. We did play like some shows. And that's how I met the people in Happy Diving. And that was like my first legitimate band. Okay. And were you singing in that band though? Yeah, I was. <clears throat> okay. So what what do you think it was for you that made you um, interested or like, you know, maybe not confident, but like interested in wanting to sing? Like, did you just realize like you can actually carry a tune? <clears throat> well, I I started, I remember like towards the end of high school, there wasn't like really other like, people who were into music that I was into um, in my high school. My high school was very like bro-y kind of like football high school vibe. But I met some people towards the end of high school who went to another school. Um, this guy, Sam Kless, he's in a band called Just Friends. Have you heard of them? Yeah. But he's like one of my oldest, oldest friends. And he, I remember he wrote songs and like had a band there. It was Just Friends. And I wanted to, um, I was like really inspired by the fact that he was writing songs. And so then I started taking it upon myself to like try. And I remember showing him like my first like songs with me singing in it. And he was very, he was kind of like how I started writing songs. Cause he was just very encouraging being like, yeah, you got it. You know, you're good at this. You should do it. And so then I was like, okay, I can do it. I like needed someone to tell me that I could do it. You know, I didn't yeah, feel I like mean, the power of it on my own or something. Sure. Sometimes it does just take that one friend. <laughs> to yeah to give you the the confidence that you need to that because if you're just like singing along to stuff in your car and you think it might sound okay but you're like there's no way i'm ever going to do this in front of somebody else and right. then that exactly. one person comes along and actually lets you know that you know you you got the goods yeah exactly so yeah he was thanks to him i mean i i started like yeah i remember like doing that first band and that was kind of how it all how it all jumped off Sure. So when that band came together, uh, how quickly were you writing songs and like how quickly did your first show come around? Um, I'm trying to think what our, our first show was in a, um, it was in a garage. I think it was in either Dublin or Pleasanton. Okay. Um, it was, must've been fairly soon after my friend Maya played bass who at the time was dating Sam, but was like part of our little friend group. And this okay. guy Josh, who played in a band called Zero Progress, I don't know if you remember them. I don't know if they I know like, them. They were like a hardcore band from, um, like where I'm from, okay, like East East Bay. But uh, yeah, like I got them to join the band, and and then yeah, we played. We played. I don't. We only like a handful of shows. We played in San Francisco a little bit. I don't. I don't know if we ever played in Oakland, but we played a few shows in San Francisco and just around town. But yeah, it was it was short lived, but it was fun. Um, and then can you, do you remember at all what it was like to actually like sing in front of people the first time, like in that, in that band, you know, like live show environment and what that felt like? Yes. Yeah, I mean, very, very terrifying, but it was really fun. I definitely found like a, I was like, oh, this is like what I want to do for sure. Like that was like, you know what I mean? Just, I think performing and doing that whole thing was just, I was like, it's so scary, but exhilarating, you know? Right. And then when how you do, do you feel, it, you're like, how do you feel these days? Do you, do you, are you someone that like deals with stage fright ever? Not really anymore, but I did for a long time. I feel like I used to feel very nervous. And then 
after I think after like doing like a bunch of you know touring, it like becomes just kind of. It's more like I get really excited to play, but I, I rarely feel super nervous. I did feel nervous when I played my first show in L.A. with uh, Berries. Um, not my first show in L.A. with the Berries, but the first show as an L.A. resident with the okay. Berries. Because it was sure. like I had, you know, made all these new friends out here. Yeah. And I, I, and I had met them more so in a social context of just being around, not like they don't know my band. You know what I mean? So sure. I'm like, okay, like all my new friends that I just made who I think are really cool. I have to like show them. Then I'm like, all right, here's my band that I'm in, you know? Yeah. That felt, that was like, I remember the first time I was like, wow, I feel like really nervous to play, but uh, normally not so sh- much. Yeah. Where was that show? <clears throat> it was at a uh, Zebulon. Oh, for I sure. In August. It was our record release show for the, for high flying man. Oh wow. So that was like recent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only, I moved here. A couple of years ago, but I was pretty antisocial for the first like year and a half. And then I went through a breakup and became um, extremely, extremely social. So you became you know, the, uh, as... the high flying man, shall we say? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Was, uh, well, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to talk about how the berries ended up coming together because I have my assumptions, but I'm going to see if my assumptions are correct. But uh, sure. so, so it looked like Happy Diving existed from 2014 to 2016. That seems about right. And you put uh, out, yeah. And you put out, a record on father daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, well, firstly, what was your first recording experience like? I mean, you talked about learning how to use uh, your own programs and stuff like that at home. Um, but yeah. what about when it like came to going to a studio? Was that for uh, that first record? For Happy yeah, Diving? it was for it was for our first. We did we did like a tape before that. Okay. And um, yeah, we my friends had recorded with Jack Shirley in the Bay. And he was kind of like the guy. And he was also and is still now like, you know, he's pretty like he's affordable and very efficient. So it was like we we knew like he'd be down to like do a tape in a day basically for like, I don't know how much it was. I don't need to blast his 2013 rate, but, but it was <laughs> it, it was, it was um, affordable. It was affordable for, you know, young people who I was working like a movie theater making like nine bucks an hour or something like that so we we like did that and it was really fun i remember like like being in that studio environment like play because we, we did it all live and yeah it was really fun I, I i don't remember like i think it felt like that you know like that studio magic thing you're like this oh. is so cool i want to do this more you know yeah for sure and the fact that that is jack's deal like having everyone record live um, yeah. And then just like do obviously vocals and maybe some overdubs later or something like that. But um, I do think that that's like a great first studio experience to do it live just because it yeah. feels a little less eyes on specifically you if you're doing track by track. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and Jack really... is like 
such a kind, funny person that I feel like he's pretty good at making people feel comfortable. He was so, so cool to work with. Like he was, he was until I did the last Barry's record, the only person I'd ever recorded with in a studio. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, I did, I was clicking around at like people you'd worked with and stuff. And I did notice Jack a lot. I saw you have some cre- like mixing credits and then he would maybe master, but it seemed like you came to him pretty often, which is like yeah. something I just love when you find someone that you're comfortable with and you can rely on. And then you're kind of growing with that person because yeah. you're, you know, yeah. they know your shtick. They know what you're capable of and they're watching you get better too. Yeah. I was so, I was so like, well, you know, if I find someone I like in that context, I was like, I'm just only going to work with this person. Cause I don't know. I just didn't know any better anyway. So it was like, I could get it mixed or, or I guess get like a record mastered by somebody else. But I'm like, well, Jack will do it. And yeah, he always makes it sound good. And yeah, he did. I mean, he did the first happy diving tape. He did all the happy diving recordings and then he did the last big bite record. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 That we did. Did you, did you not do the first big bite? No, we did that with this guy, Phil actually. Okay. But then that was actually, we did like a track by track kind of thing. Okay. Got it. But, um, where do yeah, you land was, these days? Do you prefer live or do you, for, do you like the track by track? For Barry's it's definitely pretty track by track. I think for that record we did like drums and bass live and then everything else was track by track. Yeah. There's but, some impressive um, guitar work on there. I feel like that would be uh, <laughs> nerve wracking to try to not nail live every time. Yeah. I was, I mean, there's like every song has like minimum five guitar tracks so there's there's there was no way to like actually do it live and there's like synths and stuff so it's like you know it's like it's it's the the concept of the band is way more like kind of like building a like a you know like a wall of sound of you know recorded instruments as opposed to being like kind of like a live in a room with a band kind of feel is your live band do you have two guitars for the live band There's, there's three guitars damn okay yeah yeah all right. Well, at least you're, you know what you're needing to needing to accomplish with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's funny too because we had two um, before this record, but I think after we did this record, I was like, there needs to be three guitars. And one of the guys also plays synth too. Or he plays a mellotron. Oh, perfect. But um, yeah. So I mean, it was like there's no way to do it live the way I would want it to without three guitars, and it yeah, does yeah, sound yeah. cool. For sure, I bet. Yeah, there's something fun about how, I mean, the three guitar sound is undeniably big, you know? Yeah. Like, I love when even just, like, there's, like, a punk or hardcore band that has the balls to have three guitars where they're just all kind of playing, <laughs> they're all playing the same root notes the whole time, but it sounds fucking sick. So yeah, it's, dude, it's that's, the, that's I mean, that's, that's, Happy Diving was the same way. We had three guitars for a while, and that was when we sounded, in my opinion, the best, and it was, like, yeah, it was it was it what it was the same like punk attitude of like we were all just playing the same chords pretty much it wasn't like super like you know flourished or anything like that it was just three guitars playing the same riff and this it, actually it just makes, sounded so crazy yeah this actually makes a lot of sense because i was unfamiliar with the band and um when just like you know prepping for this interview i was listening through stuff and that's kind of what caught me is it feels like a wall of guitars with yeah. that band which in like the best way possible which I, in a way that i you know like i regret not being aware of the band at the time um so what was it like because was father daughter the first label that you ever dealt with yeah was that how did that come your way and was that a nerve-wracking experience was it exciting tell me about how that happened well they were like we let's see we had our first we like dropped a one song i remember on tumblr 
in 2013. Perfect. Um, and they found us like right away because it it picked up like a tiny bit of steam, I think, because me and the drummer, Sammy Lito, um, kind of knew some people, especially him. He was more of like a person around in the Bay. Sure. And um, and then she she caught on to it, Jesse from Father Daughter, and like reached out to us. And it was just, I mean, it was my first experience with the label, but she was so cool and like helpful and, you know, did a lot for us. Like it was that record that, you know, she, cause she put out Big World and that was still like probably the, probably the biggest thing or like the, the record I've done that's had like the biggest splash, I guess. Yeah. And like other people checking it out and she was kind of, you know, very like important in making that, you know, come to be what it was. Yeah, but it was yeah, also yeah. just kind of a good time for that era of, or that style of music. Definitely. And you also, I saw that record was pressed on vinyl, right? It was. I'm noticing with records behind you, was that something that excited you? Were you stoked to have uh, your music oh, on yeah. vinyl for the first time? I remember posting on Facebook, like listening to it. And I was like, yeah. night, like when we got the presses back, I was like 19. I was like, oh, this is my record. This is so cool. You know? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was humongous. Yeah. I'll have my copy somewhere. Yeah. Listening to a test press that first time is, is so fucking exciting. Yeah, dude. It was the coolest thing ever. Do you still get that rush a little bit these days or is that kind of where worn off these days? It's worn off a little bit. I've made, yeah. I've had, I mean, I think I've done seven LPs now. Yeah. Between all the bands for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, it's still exciting. Like, you know, I like to just have another notch under the belt, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's not, not quite as cool as it was the first time. Yeah, I think it went from, oh my, I'm speaking for myself, it might be for you too. I think it went from, oh my God, I'm so excited to have this on vinyl to, holy shit, I hope there's nothing wrong with this press. Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm like listening to it all like, like yes. okay, it's just okay, uh, all right. Uh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. The, uh, with the, I don't, I don't know if, you know, for people listening at home, I'm sure they could figure this out, but like, you know, back in 2013 when when we were putting out records you know and you could rely on your album to be pressed within three months uh, uh yeah test pressings was like you could trust them for the most part to be fine there might be a crack here or two you might need to get another one which would be annoying but like now with the volume of things that you know and like plants being so backed up there's like way more opportunity for something to be wrong or to be some or for something to be like just uh not carefully made so like yeah i've through the label that I do, like I've had a couple, even just like seven inches, just like have terrible fuzz or like, you know, just like extra noise while listening through. And it's just like, then you're like, great. I'm so excited to have to ask for another test press. that won't arrive for another six weeks. Yeah. So but, if you ask for, if you have to get another test press, it takes that long. Yeah. It's not quick. Oh, that sucks. And you're just, and like, it sucks because you end up having that debate in yourself. You're like, do I just fucking just let it go? It. And with like the idea that like well fucking how many people are actually listening to the vinyl when they get it you know it's like it's a terrible <laughs> yeah. thing to like think about but yeah I, there's w- one seven inch i did in particular took like four rounds of of test presses where i was Damn. just like this is fucking crazy that is um, insane i guess yeah. I, maybe i feel like a seven inch there being a little bit like yeah seven inch yeah i can just kind of yeah yeah yeah, fuck yeah off on this one i might have been being a little too precious but you know it is what it is that's uh, fine it's good to be precious yeah, exactly. Um, and then you went, the next record you guys did was on Top Shelf, right? Yes. That's awesome. I've known Kevin for a really, really, really long time. I know Seth just a little bit, but Kevin Kevin is someone that, like, 
he did merch for Pianos Become the Teeth. Uh, oh, wow. With, with them many, you know, like the first time back in like, you know, 2011 or something like that. So Damn. it was always cool to see, you know, his label grow and and so on. But um, how did that label come your way? Was it the same sort of organic thing, like just approached you after the first record had come out? Yeah, um, I think it was like them and one other label were kind of like um there was Courting like a, you yeah and for we went with them for whatever i think they just seemed more like kind of homey vibes the other label was seemed more kind of like a bigger like we wouldn't be as cared for or something like that sure but they were um yeah i mean they were they were great it was awesome. it was pretty we I, it was pretty short-lived because we broke up pretty soon after or it didn't break up but like yeah. just kind of went on I don't feel like I've ever gone through like a true like, all right, we're breaking up. This is our yeah. last show. You know what I mean? I've never, like, even though like Happy Diving and Big Bite aren't like active really anymore. Yeah. We never were like, we're just going to call it. But yeah, I mean, I think by the time we got on top shelf and by the time we were done, we had only been like maybe a year, something like that. Do, do you know what I think that is? I think it's the fact that we're all from the West Coast and we're and we're bad at actually saying how we feel. <laughs> Just, yeah yes like, exactly like maybe we'll just, just kind of stop playing shows and then yeah eventually just we'll start other bands and then we'll just won't talk about it that's it, <laughs> so, well it's exactly because i'm like i don't want to play in this band anymore but yeah. i will not do this music with other people yeah you know what i mean it's like a loyalty thing i have totally. sometimes where i'm like I, I guess i could have maybe done happy diving like kept doing it but i wouldn't have ever done it with not the people in the band but i also don't think that after like we were young and had like a really kind of like bad tour together and it was like well we don't want to play i don't really want to play in this band anymore with these people right now sure i'm not gonna like just kick everybody out you know yeah was that the first tour or was that just a later tour when it was it was was our first full u.s tour my in my first full u.s tour okay because obviously that's that's usually my next question which is what was your you know what was the first tour you ever did um so that doesn't sound like it was the first one but that was the first full u.s no yeah that was, that was happy diving's first full u.s what yeah the, i guess I, my what was the first tour you ever did well was it just like a west coast yeah i guess the one that the one that like the first one that really like i would say like was, was a real tour was we did um yeah we did a west coast with this band called stressors that i used to be in which was like a kind of like a youth attacky kind of hardcore oh, nice. punk bands like kind of vibe yeah very that, like that mysterious guy sounds, yeah vibe. that that name sounds like a a uh, mysterious guy youth attack band yeah yeah and it was i mean that band was really cool it was um people from the bay also from where i'm from and i just joined their band but i was just playing guitar and i played in that and then we did happy diving too we did tour my first like time actually playing out was we flew to south by but it wasn't really a tour Mm-hmm. We just flew there and played shows, but yeah, it was West Coast Tour 2014, I think it was. Okay, and must have been. Did you enjoy it? Yes, yes. I was like, I'd already, you know, I felt like I'd already gotten like the bug of like I want to be in a band, and then going on tour, I was like, this is the only thing I want to do. This is yeah. the coolest thing in the world. That's awesome. What What was the the travel situation? Did you rent a van? Did you guys buy a van? Were you, what was the situation? We um. Kevin, oh. this guy Kevin, um, had his parents had a, I want to say it was a Tahoe, mm. like a big, um, it's like an SUV. large SUV. Yeah, and then we had a trailer. 
Okay. And there was eight of us and it was just like oh. sardines mode. Yeah. And the trailer was huge. It was like a huge trailer. <laughs> so we were driving super slow and yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. I remember I'm locking the to... keys in the trailer one time. Oh no. Yeah. It was good times. I'm trying to understand how you fit eight people in a Tahoe. I'm trying to you, see. You, you just don't. You just don't. <laughs> you just don't do that. You don't do that unless you're like 20. Yeah. And you're like, this is going to be awesome. This is gonna be, yeah. But you don't care because you're 20. Like now I would never. Someone's like, hey, do you want to go on tour with us? We're all going to be in a Tahoe with two bands. I'd be like, oh. hell no, I'm not doing that. But God. back then. Yeah. Back then it was, it was just cool. I love, I've always loved the bands that are really young that just throw all their friends in the van too. Like they're not yeah. even playing an instrument or, or helping in any capacity, but they just want all oh, their yeah. friends there. You're just like, what a time. <laughs> I know someone's yeah. Just like, yeah, Brent's going to come and just chill and just hang out. Yeah. I'm not paying him. He's just going to come hang out. It's like, okay, yeah. great. Awesome. You're like, great. We I'm never really, really, I never was really into that. Even from the get go. I was like, why would we bring some random person? Yeah, I need space. I need to have my lay, my thighs not touching someone else's thighs the entire time. Yes, exactly. Please, God. I'm yeah, you. I don't need a bin of merch on my on my legs the entire time. <laughs> oh um, God, yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, so that band stops, doesn't break up, stops. And then yeah. did, you, did you just have like a? I need to get out of California. I'm going to go up to Seattle situation. Yeah, I was. Well, I was already in Seattle at the time. Um, oh, I think okay. our like last tour was would have been summer 2016. I'd already been in Seattle for like a year and a half and I'd already started big bite. And oh, so okay. I was kind of like, well, I don't want to, I already have this new band that I'm doing. So I'm going to just switch and just kind of work focusing on that more. So right on, right on. Um, I have the pleasure of knowing Alan a bit. I oh, cool. Alan. Yeah. He cool. played drums for angel dust when we took angel dust oh, on a, right. on a European right. tour. I forgot so, about that. Yeah. So when, when I caught wind of Big Bite, I think it was probably happening at that. Yeah. Cause that was a 2016 tour. So the band might have yeah. been pretty new at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had like one thing out, I think. Okay. It might have been like that seven inch or something, right? Yep. Yep. Cause I think maybe even that was on the table. Cause I, I was, when I was looking at stuff, I was like, why does that seven inch cover look so familiar? Maybe he brought copies and had at the merch table or something that could possibly. They might have had like a, justice might have had like a pop wig selection or something like that because i was like right when he started that label and we were on that totally but i'm not sure who knows yeah what was the i was curious what the pop wig connection was was that from alan or like how did that come your way yeah it was from alan because alan used to play in a hardcore band um like a heavy hardcore band called wreck okay and they played with trapped under ice and turnstile i think quite a few times before like you know turnstile became what it is now but yeah he like he so he knew them he was like friends with them on the internet and he i remember when him and i started um doing big bite together he like posted the demo that i made a demo when i lived in the bay for it uh-huh and he posted it was like yeah me and matt are starting this new band and they heard it and immediately like before we'd even played a show we're like we want to put out your record blah blah oh that's awesome it was really cool yeah it was really yeah. cool and you just said you guys did the two records both and both are on pop wig right mm-hmm yeah, that and the seven inch. I think that was it. Right, right, right. So, some tapes, but those were like homemade stuff. Did did Big Bite tour very much? Yeah, we did. We, I mean, we had like 2018. We toured a lot. We we did like 
a bunch of support stuff and then like some solo stuff. And then we did a full US with that band Super Crush. Oh, right. And um, yeah, I think we did stuff in 2019 too. We were, we definitely, there was like, 2018 though was like the year that we were really kind of going after it after that first record came out. Sure. Um, yeah, that, uh, I remember specifically like at that time, like when Popwig was putting out a ton of stuff and it felt like everything was of a certain level of quality that you could rely on and like expect, yeah. you know, it was like very diverse, but, um, I just always appreciate when there's people like justice and, or like D Fang and like all those people who clearly have their ear to the ground and like care about that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then also incorporate members of those bands into their bands as well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so was it that band slowing down that brought you back to California? Um, no, it was a pandemic. Cause we, okay. we basically, I mean, we, we kind of were after the second record came out, there was kind of a little bit more like momentum for us. Like we really felt like things were kind of moving and grooving. We were going to like, we had a big tour planned that April of 2020. And then we were just going to keep doing records. And I had at that point, like I was, I had been wanting to move for a while, but then I think with big bite kind of picking up, I was like, I'm just going to stay in Seattle and like really focus on this band. And then, but as soon as the pandemic hit, it just kind of, our record had only been out for like a few months, but it just totally took the wind out of our sails, you know? And so we just kind of, I was like, you know what? Like now that I had to like, you know, learn how to be happy, not going on tour all the time and how to like live a, live a life that isn't, you know, fulfilled by external validation of people like my music or like going on tour and like this and that. So I think, you know, we got to a point where I was like, okay, what would, what do I want to do since I can't do band stuff? I want to live in LA. I want to, I've been wanting to move to LA for a long time. So I was like, if we're not going to be doing stuff and one of the guys moved to um back home to denver so i was like i'm just gonna we're just gonna go to la i'm just gonna go to la yeah and then i came I, my, here I am. my heart absolutely broke for bands that were in the same boat as you like bands that were just on the come up and then that yeah. happened because as we know like you know this sort of you know genre world that we exist in whether it's like you know, indie punk hardcore, anything that has like punk hardcore ties or whatever. It's like, right. So much of it feels fleeting to people mm -hmm. like to the listener base to where it's like, if you put out a record and you're not touring on it extensively immediately, like there's a million other records that are about to come out. So yeah. it's just like, it's tough to keep people's attention. It's so difficult, especially when it's like, you're, you don't want to just be like on the internet talking into your phone the whole time to keep people's interest. Yeah, this is not my vibe at all. So, at all. yeah, <laughs> no. I, I, I see people do it and I support it, but I just, I'm like, I cannot. I it's cannot tough, bear man. It. it sucks. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah, my heart broke for bands that had just put out a record and were expected to do a bunch of stuff. And then, like, you know, the, just the world happened. Um, yeah. It looked like when I was looking at, um, again, the timeline stuff, were you already writing Barry songs while Big Bite was happening? Yeah. Yeah. Barry started, I mean, Barry started like, even when happy diving was a thing, I think it was like 2016. I started writing like the first songs for it. And then, my question was going to be, which is probably a very obvious thing. Was it like you were writing stuff and you said, I don't think this would work for this band. So maybe it should be something else. 
or did you know out the gate like I want this to be my thing? Yeah, it was kind of a mix of both. I mean, I, I started getting really into because I think for a long time I was definitely in. You know, I, I always appreciated kind of like rock music in general and like history of rock music, and I wanted to make something that was more like in the tradition of you know classic rock and bands like the stones and country music and stuff like that. Like, you know, it was still very much like in my style of writing, but like, you know, more playing on kind of like that kind of thing. And then it just kind of became its own project from that. And then, cause yeah, it was like, this isn't for big bite. And I also, I think I just wanted, I needed to like with big bite, I think I was starting to kind of like try to, implement that a little bit but then i don't think that everyone else in the band was super into that and i was like okay cool i'm just gonna like do some songs in a different like vein that'll be more like its own thing and then that's kind of how it started with that first release was because i think i saw like maybe some of those songs were from an ep that got put on that record were those like different recordings or was it the same recordings they were different recordings i did like the initial concept of the band was I was just going to record music and put it out. And it was just going to make these tapes. Okay. But then my friend, I had a friend, um, this guy, McElhedy, who lives here now. But he um, he was like, if you get a band together and like play shows and actually go on tour, like I will, um, I'll put out a, a record for you, like a 12 inch. And I was like, okay, easy. I can do that. And so that's how the band actually came to exist as opposed to just being like, you know, just a recording project. Like a project, yeah, for sure. Um, and then when it came to actually recording that stuff, because again, you went to Jack for that, right? No, I recorded all of it myself. He he mastered it though. Oh, but okay. I recorded so it all on Fruity That's Loops right. on my computer. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was, so was it like um, programmed drums on that? No, I played drums. My friend recorded, my friend recorded the drums. This guy, um, Ian. Okay. His last name is escaping me for some reason. Um, but he, he, I think he might live in Montreal now or something, but he, yeah, he was this guy who recorded music in, um, in Seattle. And he was actually kind of a, like lightly a student of Jack or like, oh. there's some kind of a mentorship role. I know that they're like, we're like close and like they talked about recording and stuff like that. Okay. So he was, it, he somehow still just kind of stayed in that world, but he, yeah, he recorded the drums and then I just recorded everything else like DI. Got house. it. Did, uh, and then when it came time to do the second record, uh, what do you think changed? Like, did, uh, did you have more focus on what you were trying to do? Cause I mean, comparing the two, obviously there's growth in like what you're trying to accomplish and like, you have more time, you have more ability to, you know, like longer time in between records of, write songs all that sort of stuff but like did you have a different sort of uh influence going into Berryland? um no it was i think all it was i mean that there was some definitely some newer influences that had come about but those first two records were kind of actually all written pretty like in close proximity because i think i was writing that record while i was recording the first one oh interesting. and then okay. ended up just kind of like that was the first one, like, <clears throat> Run For Cover got involved after I, after it started coming out. But then the second one, I was purely on that. And I was, I wanted to record it myself again. And so I just took the advance and just lived off it for eight months and recorded the record. And, like, used it to buy, like, 
some equipment for recording and like some, maybe like a better mic or two or, you know, like a yeah. nicer amp. And then, yeah, but it was the same, pretty much the same mentality. I mean, yeah, like the influences changed a little bit. It just feels, I was, guess from, from an outside perspective, what I was kind of rounding my question around was that like, it just feels a little bit more realized and it could yes, just be because you're yes. getting better at what you're doing. It could just be as simple as that, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. And I definitely think the, yeah, like the songwriter, I mean, I was growing as a songwriter too and kind of finding my place. I think those first two are still like, like with any band, usually it's rare for like, at least for me personally, not for every band, but for like the first thing I've put out with a project to sound like its own, you know, like body of work or its own, like kind of like its own unique place and like the, you know, like the tapestry of music. Yeah. It, it certainly has its own identity. It was 100% yeah. with, with the music you've been a part of as well. You know, it's very, yeah, it's, 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 it's very impressive. It's funny. I, there was a few bands and forgive me for this. There was a few bands that all came around the same time that all were the bands with the first letter B. Like it was like all like there was like the berries, the Beths, like all like a lot of Whoa, stuff cool. all kind of came around the same time. And it, to me, I was just intimidated by all of it. I didn't know which where to where to go. And <laughs> so I'm late to it. But Clayton, who plays guitar in my in a touche, he played. Uh, he was playing High Flying Man in the van um, on our spring tour, and that was the first oh, cool. time where like everybody in our band kind of perked up and was like, "What is this?" And turned yeah. us all onto it. Um, and yeah. and i mean just like the the songwriting the performances and all of it it's like it's all so so impressive where did you uh did you again self-record this newest record no um um we did it we my friend todd who's this guy from olympia that i've known for a little while he uh, reached out to me and was because i wanted to do it in the studio but i couldn't the people that i reached out to i couldn't quite afford mm -hmm. and then um I was kind of like at a loss for like where I should record it or how I should do it. And then he reached out to me. He was like, Hey, I want to produce your record. Like, I don't know where you're at with it. I know you're, you know, you're wanting to do another one. And I was like, yeah, totally. And so he found um, this studio called King size here in LA and the head engineer at the time there, this guy, Jimmy, who now actually plays in the berries. He was just like, yeah, like, you know, let's do it. Blah, blah. And so we, yeah, we tracked it there for like 10 days, but we just fell in love with the engineer. And I was like, you have to be in the band. I'm so sorry. He had, he, didn't, uh, he had like never toured before either. He's like, you know, he's an adult. He's not like, yeah, he's not like he didn't have like the experience like a lot of us have of like touring throughout your like, you he know, didn't, early like, DIY 20s. tour. Like, like, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he never toured at all. And he's like, you know, in his 30s and was like, just like, yeah, I'm ready to be in a band. That sounds awesome. And it's, yeah, that's been quite the joy. But yeah, that we recorded it with him and it was the approach was way different. I wanted it to be like way more hi fi and like realized. It's I'm glad that to hear that it was recorded in L.A. because like I didn't know how to actually say or I, I don't even know that I have a, a way to pinpoint this thought. But it feels like there's some California in this record. Yes. Versus the absolutely. Other ones. OK, you feel I that agree. Too? Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. OK. OK. Living like, living in California makes a difference. I, it really does. <laughs> like somehow in the way the song sounds. Yeah. And now that, well, how much touring have you actually done on this record now? Have you done just, just the one? one tour? Okay, just yeah. One. Do you have anything coming up right now? No tours coming up right now. Um, that's a thing too. Is like, you know, I've been. Let's see. 
I mean, I haven't toured as much as some people have. I definitely have been touring quite a bit since, you know, I was like 19, 20, I guess, so like almost 10 years. Um, But yeah, it's just, you know, living in LA, my rent's really expensive and like I have a decent job waiting tables and I do okay. It's, it's, my point is, is that it's harder to justify bringing out me and my like other, you know, yeah. either 30 or approaching 30 year old friends to pay them absolutely no money and sleep on floors Totally to, you know, get on the road when there's not, you know, not really much money there. It's like, it's, I mean, it's not a, something I like to, I'm disappointed about, but I would like to, I would, I mean, I would love to go on tour more. It's just, it's hard. It's just not, it's hard to justify it at this point in my life, the way it used to be. I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, well, shit, man, let me hit you with the last question, which is, uh, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Um, let's see. I think it would probably be, um, when we were, when happy diving was flying towards, we're flying to Texas to play South by for our first, like the first time we were like invited out to play from some of the labels at the time. And it felt like people were like excited to see us. And I was like, Oh wow, this is cool. Like, I can't believe, you know, I'm making music, which is like what I want to do. And that there are actually humans in the world that would like to hear it live. I think that's probably the first time I felt like, you know, I yeah, was doing it, something that had of some value to it. Cause I remember top shelf used to always have like their showcases. Yeah. Was, I don't think we played theirs. Oh, okay. Maybe we did. No, we played um, the father daughter one. We played the exploding and sound one. Oh, that's a cool and one. We were, sure. That was cool. It was the actually, I remember being so excited about it, but there was like a million bands and we were the very first band at noon. Ah, and there tough. was, yeah, there was there was one guy there and he was there was us playing, there was one guy and then like the bartender. Uh-huh. But the one guy was like from NME and he wrote this really funny like article about it. He was like, Yeah, I saw this amazing band, but there was I was just me and the bartender watching them. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, dude. I mean we we rocked. They should have had us later, but you know, what could we say? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that story can only be written in that situation you know what i'm saying yeah. like it, it obviously yeah. influenced that guy and he didn't leave and it made him want to write leave. so yeah. that's the charm of south by southwest dude yeah the first i got a touche hasn't done it in several several years but we those first like probably five years i think we went out at least three or four times like drove out and just we're so stupid we were like yeah let's play like six shows in one day like just kept yeah. hopping on stuff like uh, that band Trash Talk were like the most notorious for like they'd be like doing 10 shows in one day and we just felt like we yeah. had to sort of like keep up with them stupidly um, yeah, and, you're, yeah. And for what you're just wearing yourself out playing to people who like you know just kind of wandered in off the street drunk so yeah just, exactly what are we doing here <laughs> yeah exactly it's uh, it's not it's not ideal for sure but i mean it is when it's the only thing you know and you've never oh, done it before sh- oh my god yeah it's i mean it, it's it's overwhelming and i mean fucking i wouldn't pin uh the task of making someone have to park the van and unload on my worst enemy that's the <laughs> oh, fucking yeah. nightmare yeah. yeah i don't want anyone to ever have to do that again no, God no. We, it, we I, need to figure that one out. We need to figure out how to stop that from happening anymore. Unloading just, vans. 
Well, in general, yeah. But I mean, for listeners at home, I mean, the South by Southwest experience of that is so, so crazy because they close all of the streets, all of the streets that have the venues that you're supposed to be playing on. But you're somehow supposed to unload to play these showcases. And you're like basically just getting yelled at by cops for like hours (laughs) and you can't find anywhere to park. It's like I've only done it the one time and I'm so glad I haven't. I mean, I mean, I would do it now i guess but i would have to be paid to do it (laughs) but i yeah i've only done it i've only done it that one time 2014 so and you flew so i'm hoping that you had just like a back line there that you could yeah yeah, we were just using we were just using back lines so it wasn't too bad for us fortunately yeah but yeah yeah. oh man even just unloading a van though like at the venue where you can park outside i'm like fuck this dude i'm sick of doing this (laughs) shit (laughs) i'm sick of fucking bringing my why do I own these? Every time I'm like, before the tour, I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing my amps, my cool amps. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why did I bring this fucking heavy ass stupid amp that well, is just let me tell you breaking what album, my back every night? Let me tell you what album, the Barry's album for needs to to have then is uh, three guitars, but you're not playing guitar. You need to just be the front man because then, <laughs> only then, do you get to be the asshole who doesn't load. Yes, I can't wait for that. Oh, and we'll just di the guitars. We don't need to bring oh, amps. Oh, that's that's a move. That's a move. PA, the PA has got the gain, right? It's got yeah. something on there. Yeah, yeah, perfect. It'll sound cool. <laughs> oh man, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, Matt. Yeah, buddy. Likewise. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Matthew for coming on and thank you for listening. Reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now where Matthew answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Hit that at patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. And I will see you next week. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.